Come on, let's pray. So, Father, we thank you that, Lord, we can gather around your word this morning. We thank you that uh, your word's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. It's the plumb line by which we can measure our life. And this morning, God, we pray you just speak to us through your word. You'd write your word with your finger on the fleshy tables of our hearts. And Lord, remove the stony heartness and bring us back to that place of loving you, Jesus, first. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Gosh, it's so good to be back in church. It is so good. Yeah, it is, uh, it is so good. So, yep. When Penny and I got engaged some 47 years ago or so, somewhere, somewhere around about there, uh, I had to buy an engagement ring and I, I had contacts with importers. So I went to an importer in Auckland and uh, it was one of these sneaky places that um, you wouldn't know existed and you took the, the lift to the third floor and then you had to walk the, the last um, floor up there and you went through this tiny little door with guards on it and they brought you into a showroom and you could sneak a view through to the sorting room and there was just like millions of dollars worth of diamonds uh, being sorted and graded and everything else. So anyway, I ended up um, buying uh, this solitaire diamond, which was a 0.55 brilliant white cut. And uh, because it had come into New Zealand on a, on a ring, it, it avoided the 30% tax. And so I got a really, really cheap deal on a really, really, really expensive ring. So I felt pretty good about that. So, but because it was a, a reasonably large solitaire ring, um, Penny used to take it off quite frequently because she would get it caught on things. Well, two years ago, this mega buck ring, she lost. And Jodine, who was sitting there in the first, first um, service, she also lost her engagement ring, so it is a more common thing. Penny turned the house upside down because not only was it a really, really large uh, financial uh, loss, but it was also a sentimental loss as well. Uh, and she looked and looked and looked and looked, and she would have spent weeks. We got the whole place cleaned. Uh, for the first time in 47 years. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> but we did get the whole place cleaned and uh, just couldn't find it. Penny had a dream, and in the dream, she saw someone come in and, and steal, steal the ring, so we don't know what happened to it, but it was lost. You know, it's interesting. When we lose stuff, the degree that we go to to find it usually reflects its importance. And if you've ever lost something really, really important, you'll know that you'll spend a lot of time looking for it and praying as to where it is and, and all those other things. Um, Jesus talks about lost things in Luke chapter 15. He was um, talking to a crowd of people, and, and it was a mixed crowd because on one side there was um, sinners, tax collectors, and that sort of crowd. And then on the other side there was 
uh, Pharisees, Sadducees, religious leaders. And uh, the religious leaders muttered under their breath, uh, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so in order to share God's heart for the lost and to explain lostness to this crowd, Jesus tells them three parables. And these parables are commonly known as the parable of the lost sheep, parable of the lost coin, and the prodigal son. And it's interesting that um, the parable of uh, the prodigal son is called that because that's the name that we've put on that particular parable. But really, it's a parable of the two sons because the focus in that parable isn't just on the prodigal, but it's actually on the elder brother as well. Uh, In the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, Jesus shows us that Even one lost person really, really matters to God. And when one lost person is found, the angels in heaven party. And I reckon that's so cool. Uh, In the parable of the two sons, uh, Jesus not only talks about God's heart for the lost, but he talks about the things that separate people from God and So that's what we're going to read this morning. So if you've got your Bibles with you, um, you can turn to Luke chapter 15, and we'll pick it up at verse 11. Uh, But if you haven't, it'll be on the screen behind us. So it says this. It says, Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And by the way, to, for a young Jewish boy, looking after pigs was the worst job in the world. Absolutely the worst. That was the pits. Uh, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to sphere? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. 
So they began to celebrate. And that really, really is a picture of what um, God, God's heart is like to the uh, younger brother. Uh, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and you never, and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate it with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fat calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have had to celebrate and be glad because his brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So when Jesus starts this um, parable, he says a man had two sons. And Jesus shows us two kinds of people, two kinds of separation from the father, two kinds of lostness, but just one way home. And the two types of people listening to Jesus are represented in the parable. The tax collectors and the sinners are like the younger brother in the parable. They've engaged in immoral, irreligious, wild living They've left their traditional morality. Uh, The Pharisees and the teacher of the law, however, are like the elder brother in the parable. They've stayed with the traditional morality of their upbringing. They are deeply devoted to studying and obeying the word. Uh, They pray and worship and repent constantly. But interestingly, they are equally lost. Uh, We have been like one of those two groups. And the interesting thing is that we can easily default to one of these behaviours. I think the longer you are in the Christian life, the more you adopt elder brother mentalities. Uh, Most of us can remember what it was like when we first got saved and the joy that we had of coming to recognize that God is real, that he loves us, that he's got a plan for our life, the exuberance. I can still remember those days. The sad thing is, I talked to a lot of people and those days are distant memories. And instead of uh, becoming more joyous, they've become bitter and angry and have drifted back in their Christian walk. Um, while the religious and the moral elder brothers were shocked by Jesus' ministry all through the New Testament, you'll, you'll see it's the religious people that oppose Jesus. It's mainly the younger brother types who connected with Jesus and the elder brother types who rejected him. The moral living elder brother types think that salvation is finding God by obeying his law or by living up to standards of some kind. The younger brother types think that salvation is finding ourselves, following our hearts. And in this view, they think that if there is a God, he'll accept us as long as we are sincere because God's love. 
and he loves everyone. Both sons are separated from the father. One of the sons is a good person. One is a wicked person. But in the end, it's the wicked son who comes into the father's feast and dance. And it's the morally good son who absolutely won't come in. Listeners knew what this meant. The lover of prostitutes ends up coming into the kingdom of God and the moral man doesn't. But notice, what's keeping the elder brother out? Why does he stay out when his, brother, when his younger brother goes in? He tells us it's because all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed. Verse 29. It's not his badness that's keeping him out. It's his perceived goodness. It's not his obvious sins that are keeping him from sharing in the feast of the Father, so much as his self-righteousness. The elder brother, in the end, is lost because he is good in his own eyes. Both these two types of people think that Sin is basically breaking the rules. So if you keep the rules, they think they'll be saved. But the governing theme in this parable and also in the Gospels is that the greatest sin is actually rejecting God and his rule over our lives and saying, I don't need you, I can do it myself. Uh, The difference between a religious person and a true Christian is that the religious person obeys God to get things from God, but the Christian obeys God just to get God. Uh, Religious people obey to get leverage over God, to put God in a position where they think he owes them. Uh, Christians who know they are only saved by grace obey him out of a desire to love and to please and draw closer to the one who saved them. The younger brother and the elder brother had the wealth of the father as their main goal, They both wanted his things before him. So for the Christian, we serve because we are saved. We don't serve to be saved. We can love others because we are first loved. Most of us, recognize the signs of what I'd call younger brother lostness. We know the booze, the drugs, the sex, the immorality, all those things. But we often miss the fact that there are many who are deeply affected by the elder brother mentality and base their justification 
on keeping the rules. And so I wanted to give you some signs of the elder brother that we can measure ourselves on and see if any of these attributes have actually crept into our life because if they have, we need to do something about that. So one of the signs of the elder brother spirit is that he's filled with anger about how his life is going. Um, Elder brothers tend to feel that God owes them a good and comfortable life. They think that if we're serving God and I'm not breaking the rules, then everything will turn out roses for us. And that's a really common uh, mentality. The reality is bad things can happen to good people. And life on earth is not heaven. In fact, someone said, earth is probably the closest that Christians are going to get to hell. And that can be true. Uh, Not everything turns out. But we know that no matter what the situation is, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't need to fear evil because God is with us. So we have a wonderful, loving, heavenly Father who walks with us through trials. The elder brother, if he does the right thing and things don't turn out, he'll be angry at God. If he doesn't do the right thing and things don't turn out, he'll be angry with himself. Either way, Uh, His life will be filled with anger because he has unrealistic expectations of God pumped up by his own good deeds, basically. A second sign of the elder brother is a joyless mechanical obedience. Obedience is a grind. Notice the older son says, all these years I've been slaving for you. No joy in serving. It's just, oh, I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. Uh, Elder brother, brother obedience treats God as a means to an end. You don't do good for the pleasure of God. Instead, you do it joylessly and slavishly because of what you think you can get from God. So there's no intimacy in your relationship with God. But as Christians, we should be filled with amazement at the grace of God. And so obey out of a delight in pleasing him for his own sake. A third sign of the elder brother spirit is a coldness to younger brother types. And usually elder brother types uh, are poor evangelists. Uh, The person changed by the gospel is always a courageous evangelist because you know that you're a sinner saved by grace alone. You treat others with respect because you know that your morality has been as sinful and God-escaping as their immorality. And you'll treat others with hope. You'll never look at anyone and say, here's someone who could never become a Christian because you know that all types of people are equally unlikely to find God. So Penny is one of eight children. When her older sister got saved in the United States, her older sister wrote to all of the siblings telling 
them about Jesus? Well, she wrote to all the siblings apart from Penny because she thought there is no way my hard-hearted sister Penny is going to be able to receive this message. So you can tell which brother Penny was. (laughs) She was a younger brother type. And now... She's pretty good. (laughs) But the reality is, we need to recognize this mark of elder brother lostness because if we don't, we're going to become uncaring towards the lost. God's bringing a lot of lost people into our church that we need to love as Jesus would love. Did you know that there will be people coming in, in here who will smell? Why don't you just sniff the person next to you? No, don't. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. <laughs> but there will be people who, there'll be people out there who are going to come in off the streets who haven't had a bath in two weeks. There will be people come in who think completely differently to what you think. There will be people who come in who don't know the graces and what's expected of them in a congregation like this. Uh, I remember... Uh, my friend who ran a church in Perth uh, telling us that um, one time as he was preaching he looked up uh, towards the back and there was a guy with his, um, with his feet up on the chair in front with a six pack of beer <laughs> that he was drinking <laughs> and he thought oh <laughs> so he went up and talked to him afterwards and the guy said hey love the karaoke at the start <laughs> I'd love to see that in our church. <laughs> uh, I'd love to see more people straight off the, seat, uh, off the streets coming in as, just as they are and finding Jesus Christ. Uh, a fourth sign of the elder brother spirit is a lack of assurance of the father's love. The elder brother says, you never threw me a party. Uh, the, the truth is, he never asked for one. He was never close enough to the Father to actually ask for a party. In fact, the Father says, all that I have is yours. There's no dancing in the elder brother's relationship with his father. As long as you try to earn your salvation by controlling God through your perceived goodness, you'll never ever be sure that you've made it. There will always be anxiety and fear, uncertainty in your relationship. And no wonder there's no intimacy in the prayer life of the elder brother. No joy, no closeness, though the elder brother may very diligently be saying his prayers. A fifth sign of the elder brother spirit is unforgiving, judgmental spirit. If you are an elder brother, you lack two things necessary to forgive. Firstly, you lack the emotional humility to say, I'm no different. You instead look at the sinner and say, I'd never do that. Second, you lack the emotional wealth to say, I'm so loved and forgiven by my father, 
what does it matter that I was slighted or misunderstood or wronged by him? Two brothers, both equally lost, but just one way home. There's only one way home for both the brothers, and there's still only one way for us to break out of the old ways that still bedevil us. First of all, we need to recognize that our Heavenly Father is waiting for us to come to Him. God loved us long before we ever thought of loving Him. He made a way for us to return to Him long before we had an inkling that that's where we needed to be. And God is drawing us this morning. The Father runs to meet the younger brother and kisses him before he speaks. And he also comes out and pleads with the older brother, just as he pleads today with hard-hearted religious people. We need God's grace to come to us. Secondly, we've got to repent. Repentance is, it can be a dirty word. Uh, but it's an incredibly freeing word. It sets us free. Uh, we've got to recognize that we have sinned and we've got to ask for forgiveness. Uh, the younger brother came to his senses and came back to his father to ask for forgiveness. The elder brother needs to recognize that the reasons for his righteous deeds have been the same as the reasons for our sins. We must admit that we have sought God not just for himself, but for his stuff. And that's easy to grow into. And thirdly, we've got to rely on and rejoice in what the Father has provided for our salvation. Jesus and Jesus alone. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Ephesians 2.8 For it's by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that nobody can boast. There is nothing that you can do to add to your salvation. No works that you can do that will make things better. You can't earn a place with God. You just have to come to God and say, Heavenly Father, I am so sorry that I've left you out of my life. Please forgive me. I thank you that you sent Jesus to pay the price for my sins. I accept him now. You can't add to it. You can't work your way into heaven. Not by works so that no one can boast. And it's Jesus and his hard attitude that we need to become like. Starts off, there are two sons. But actually, the third son was telling the parable. The third son was telling the story. And he's the son that we need to be like. It's his hard attitude. It's his relationship with the Father that we need to aspire to. It's everything that he is that we need to become like. He's the good shepherd who runs out to find a lost sheep, gives his whole life so that we can have a life. He lived 
the sinless life that we couldn't live. And he died the death that we deserved so that we could live the life he purchased for us. So we needed his heart, especially his love for the lost. So let's have the musos up. Thanks, Isaac. In the early 90s, I went on quite a number of missions trips through to India. Anyone been to India before? Those of you who have been to India will know that there's really no reason to go to India unless you're going on a missions trip or unless you're following a drug trail or unless you're looking for spiritual enlightenment or something like that. They seem to be the common reasons. But in terms of um, a nation, it's, it's a dirty place. I remember Penny and I in um, Calcutta not, not walking... You'd never walk on the footpath next to a, a fence because there's excrement and all sorts of stuff all over there. Never ever saw one clean river. They're always all septic. The smells you just can't describe. They're terrible. Terrible. When I was flying into Chennai, For the first time, I thought, what on earth have I got myself into? I can't do this. This is going to be terrible. God, God, you've got to give me a love for these people. Otherwise, this is going to be a complete waste of time. You know, when that plane landed at Chennai Airport, It was like something just happened in my heart. And I I immediately, miraculously, had an incredible heart of compassion and love for Indian people, which has carried through to this day. Every time I look at an Indian person, it's like I just sense God's, God's love. And my heart goes out to them. And despite the environment that a lot of them are brought up in, and there are some very beautiful places in India as well. Don't don't get me wrong there. There are some magnificent places that I would like to visit again. But basically, God placed his love for Indian people in my heart and I think the same of lost people we don't like the environment that they live in but the reality is that God wants to place in our hearts his heart for the lost so I want us just to bow our heads this morning and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit is there any younger brother spirit in me is there any older brother spirit in me and then be 
confident that as you ask him to, he can take the hardest of hearts and replace it with a heart of flesh and a softness. And his whole point of coming was to seek and save the lost and to see us transformed into the likeness of Jesus so we can see the world through his eyes so we can look at the lost and have a love from the lost for the lost which isn't hindered by the things that normally would upset us So, Heavenly Father, right now, would you just send your Holy Spirit and just begin to convict us of wrong attitudes and wrong spirits and fill us with your heart. of love especially for the lost have your way Break our chains of bondage and set us free, we ask, in Jesus' name.